Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly with you and today I'm joined by Katrina Blowers. And Katrina, uh, you've been looking into Australia's first ever pill testing site which will open in Canberra today. Yeah, where I grew up and it's so interesting because it's such a a big debate around this and I remember when I was growing up the decriminalisation of cannabis was the huge Mm. debate. So this is going to open in the CBD and it's been trialled at some music festivals with uh, what they say was big success. Mm, And they've been doing it in Europe in some countries for more than a decade. I did a big report on the ABC for this in 2019. Um, So now we're going to have this fixed site location right in the centre of Canberra. And they get to make a decision about whether or not they want to continue to consume that drug or not, or go away and consume that drug, but at least they know what they're taking now. Yeah, so we're going to find out how it works and whether it should be rolled out in other states. That is our briefing topic in this episode first. Here are today's headlines. It is Tuesday, July 19. Australia's latest State of the Environment report has been released and I'm afraid it is bleak reading. We've lost more mammal species than any other continent, while the black summer bushfires ratcheted up the extinction risk of more than 500 species, including plants, mammals and frogs. The report was actually finished in December, but the previous Coalition Minister for the Environment, Susan Lee, refused to release it. Look, you can't turn around almost a decade of neglect overnight, but I think we need to think very carefully about how we improve our laws and our systems to make sure that we protect our environment. That's the Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek there. So land clearing is another major factor as well as pressures from climate change, of course, invasive species, pollution and resource extraction. Speaking of the climate, the UK is set for its hottest day ever today with temperatures predicted to hit 41 degrees. Overnight, a busy London airport had to be temporarily closed because of damage to the tarmac. Uh, A section of the runway actually lifted in the heat. Train speeds have also been limited across much of the UK because of expanding tracks. Yeah, it's part of a big heatwave sweeping across Europe with forecasters warning it's getting worse. Um, Some are even predicting a heat apocalypse in Western France. Uh, In the last 24 hours, uh, 8,500 people have fled their homes to escape a big wildfire caused by the searing temperatures. Yeah, and that adds to the nearly 25,000 people in France who've been forced to abandon their homes, their holiday rentals and their campsites for emergency shelters. There's also blazes in Spain, Portugal and Greece. And I don't know if you've seen those, the the video going around this morning, uh, Tom, uh, some pretty extraordinary pictures of fires lapping at the windows of a train going through Spain while everyone on board just looks out nervously. Thankfully, they were all okay. And the ANZ Bank is set to get even bigger. It's planning to buy the banking arm of Suncorp for $5 billion. So this merger would make ANZ the third largest lender in Australia behind Westpac and the Commonwealth Bank, and it would also strengthen the bank's presence in Queensland. But the merger needs the approval of the Treasurer and the competition watchdog, the ACCC, so it's not expected to be locked in for another 12 months. The plan is to keep using the Suncorp Bank brand for at least five years before phasing it out. And Suncorp is going to now stick to their insurance business rather than doing insurance and banking. 
The ACT is banning new petrol car sales from 2035. This is an Australian first. It involves interest-free loans of up to $15,000 for people wanting to buy electric cars. This is a transition that's coming. There'll be simply not petrol vehicles being made. This is about stopping the entry of new vehicles into the system. That's the Minister for Emissions Reduction, Shane Rattenbury, in the ACT, just to the most progressive state in Australia or territory in Australia, aren't they? Well, well, I grew up there, so of course. <laughs> Other states are expected to follow in coming years. It'll be interesting to see what the uptake of these loans are. You have to uh, have an ACT driving licence or you have to have a house in the ACT. Not everyone just can access these willy-nilly. Uh, European countries have already moved in this direction with the UK government announcing a similar ban to come into effect in 2030. The EU by 2035 and Singapore even earlier by 2025. Geez, I better sell my Ford Focus soon, Tom. It's not going to be worth anything. Come on, it's been on its last legs for a while. What are you talking about? Um, It's an interesting one. I mean, it it feels like it's coming soon, but electric car sales are still less than 5% of total car sales in Australia. So there's a Mm. big transition ahead for us. All right, Tom, I'm going to head back to my hometown of Canberra where they're doing an Australian first. It's uh, the first fixed pill testing site in the country. We're going to find out how it works. Today's a historic day in the nation's capital with Australia's first fixed pill testing site opening up. Now, this is a pilot program that will initially open two nights a week in the CBD and this trial will last for six months. Pill testing was one of the recommendations made by a coronial inquest into festival deaths. And the team behind this latest site, who call themselves Harm Reduction Australia, has run a couple of other trials of pill testing before at the Groove in the Moo festivals in Canberra. They said a trial at the 2019 festival potentially saved seven lives after the program detected toxic chemicals which were mixed into festival goers' drugs. So they're eventually hoping that testing sites will be adopted nationwide and become just as accepted as syringe programs. They started out being pretty controversial too, but now they're stock standard public health initiatives. To give us a rundown of how this latest testing site works is Harm Reduction Australia President, Gino Vumbaka, who joins us on The Briefing now. Gino, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. Describe for us the journey to get to this point. Well, it started uh, quite a few years ago, but um, in recent times, in 2018, when we ran the first pill testing program at Grooving the Move Festival in Canberra, it took a lot of negotiation to get there and and we only got the go-ahead probably about 72 hours before the festival started. So we scrambled our volunteer team and cobbled together enough equipment, um, borrowing and begging for equipment. So we got it going. And what we showed there was that we could deliver that service within the health and medical precinct and that people would use it. And not only that, that um, we were able to reduced the level of harm being caused at that festival because we found a number of toxic uh, chemicals within some drugs that were about to be consumed. And once we advised people of that, they binned it. And then we did it again in 2019, much bigger, and uh, with two machines going and a lot more support because we'd proven ourselves. And with COVID then intervening, obviously, in that with festivals, 
uh, being closed down, we uh, started negotiations and discussions with the ACT government about a fixed site so that people could access the service on a regular basis. And hence where we are today and opening up a fixed site pill testing service in Canberra. Yeah, so at that 2019 Groove in the Move Festival, as you mentioned, you, you found some toxic chemicals and uh, you actually estimate that you potentially saved seven lives after that program was introduced there. Describe for us what were those chemicals and what potentially could have happened? With our team, what we have is, even though we're a volunteer team, we actually have people who are professionally qualified. So our analysts, chemical analysts, use equipment worth about $50,000 and the one at the fixed site will be a couple of machines that are, you know, worth about $200,000. So we have very high-tech equipment, very qualified people. We have nurses, counsellors, all qualified, even though they're volunteers. So what we found was Embone, which has been identified in a number of countries in our libraries as leading to overdoses and in some cases fatal overdoses. So when our analysts identified that within the sample that we were given by some of the patrons, Health experts talk to them about the potential for harm and to be very careful if they're going to consume this. But obviously, we work off a principle that people aren't going to the festival to end up in the back of an ambulance. So in those cases, the people just used their amnesty bin and disposed of the, of the drugs they were thinking of consuming and didn't consume them, which is a win for them and their families and friends. All right, talk us through how this fixed testing site will actually work. Say you, you've got some pills, what do you do? Do you have to make an appointment? Can you just walk in? And I guess the level of trust, I, I suppose, that you'd have to have a, as somebody who, who has pills that want to get tested. How does all of that work? Yeah, that's a good point about trust and I'll get to that, but you, you don't need an appointment. No, it's a open door service. You, you come in and you do have to sign some waivers and the like, but they're for insurance purposes, unfortunately, we can't get around that. You get a briefing when you come in about what we do and how the service is confidential. And it's a health and medical service. And we're here to advise people about what it is they're considering consuming. And we're not here to judge them either. It's a you know a true harm reduction service in that we don't make any judgments about people's choices to use or not use drugs. Um, what we want to do is, going back to public health principles, is make sure that people are informed because when they're informed, they make better decisions. That's the principle that underpins what we do. So you come in, you speak to one of our counsellors uh, slash peer workers. Um, they'll explain the process, talk to you about how you're going, if everything's okay. Then you provide a sample to our analysts who'll get the, the tech side going and have a look to see what it is that uh, you're about to consume. And while that's doing that, can take up to 10 minutes for that to happen. Um you can talk to one of our counsellors or the nurse and there's a doctor present as well. And what we found in the festival is some people are, are using other drugs, uh, prescription drugs in particular. There may be a whole range of things that they're taking. So what we provide is um, some medical advice based on that and what the interactions may be. Then the results come through. We talk them through the results um, so they get an understanding. And the reality is most people come in saying they've bought MDMA or ecstasy and what we find is that uh, more often than not, it's methamphetamines or a range of other drugs. So then they get to make a decision about whether or not they want to continue to consume that drug or not or go away and consume that drug. But at least they know what they're taking now. I'm interested in how you get around that fear of people coming in that they will be judged or that, you know, they're essentially doing something illegal here, that um, their name might be, you know, released to authorities. What, what assurances can you give people that that's not going to happen? 
Yeah, that's, it is a hard one to overcome, but that's why we describe ourselves as a health and medical service because, you know, obviously there's a level of confidentiality that goes with that. And we will be reaching out to a number of services and through venues and the like, through networks to try and get some messages out there um, and using obviously social media and the like to help people understand that we are there to help. We're not there to, to judge. And look, we worried about this the first time we ran the trial in 2018. We were concerned about uh, whether anyone would turn up. It's a bit like, you know, throwing a party thinking, is anyone going to turn up? You know, like mm-hmm. here we are. We've got all our people and equipment. And people slowly trickled in and word of mouth got out fairly quickly and then people started to come because they understood that what we were saying we were going to do, we actually did. So it'll take some time. I mean, people will be wary at first and that's understandable because they're engaging in what is still unfortunately a legal activity rather than um, a health issue. So we can only implore people to understand that we we are a health service, a medical service, it's confidential and we're there to help. And I can understand that at a music festival where people, they've taken something there or they've bought something and, you know, they're likely to take it at that event that you might get a pretty decent uptake at the testing site. But to actually go to a, a testing clinic when a festival's not on, how confident are you that people are going to make use of this service? It is hard, but the, there's also, you know, what everyone needs to understand is that when people buy and consume drugs, it, they're not doing it, as I said, to end up in the back of an ambulance or to end up in a hospital bed. They're, they're doing it for a range of reasons. And, you know, one of those is obviously to get some pleasure out of that and to have some fun. So people doing that, if they have the opportunity to reduce the likelihood that it's going to be a a bad experience, we'll take up that offer. It's a free offer. We don't charge people for the service. Um, And they can actually talk to people about what they're doing. And if they've got other issues or problems in their life and that's why they may be consuming drugs, then, you know, they can talk to people about that as well. So I think once word gets out, It'll be well used. The hard thing is to start because there will be that wariness, you know, a police waiting there. Is there some sort of trap? You know, all those sort of rumours will go around, I'm sure. But I can only assure people on our team are out there assuring people that it's not. Our goal is to reduce harm, you know, and by that we have to engage with people. And that's often a you know core value of harm reduction is that we engage with people, you know, not judge people. Why are you so passionate about this? Is there something that, that happened to you or a friend? What what led you to, you know, making this your mission? Well, I have been involved in this for a number of years here and worked overseas for, as well for a number of years and involved in prisons and working there. And and I have my own kids who go to festivals of that age and, um, and a lot of my friends have that. But I suppose something that's hit hard at the, at the moment, we work closely with family groups and I talk regularly to some family members who have lost their kids to a fatal overdose and some at festivals as well. They're involved in the New South Wales coronial investigation a couple of years ago into the deaths at festivals. And what you see and what you hear is um, like a grief that, you know, it's hard to explain the grief that those parents and the family members are going through and the friends in some cases over what's happened. So what I try and tell people is that, you know, they say, well, are you encouraging drug use? Are you doing that? So, no, no, we don't encourage drug use, but we just accept it goes on in our world. You know, like um, all of us have a history of drug use of some sort, but if it's alcohol or illegal drugs, we, you know, we've all had that time where we, we use drugs or we drink or don't drink, whatever choices we make. But... What you don't want as a parent in particular 
is when your kids go out, is the phone ringing at 2am or 3am and it's the hospital or the police saying you need to get down the hospital quick because it may be the last time you get to see your kid alive. You know, when parents tell you that story, it's heartbreaking. And so what you, you know, it, it just drives myself and most of our team to not want to have that happen to other people. You know, we know what it does to people and we just don't want that to happen to others. So, you know, that, that's why it's important. We know it works. When you see the harm that can be caused and the grief that it causes and you can do something to stop that, well, that's what you do. That was Harm Reduction Australia President Gino Vumbaka, who's part of the group behind the fixed pill testing site opening today in Canberra. I guess the biggest takeaway from that for me was the potential testing has to reduce the number of so-called bad drugs out there, as in the ones that are mixed with toxic chemicals and can lead to overdose and death. That can only be a good thing, regardless of your stance on this issue. And it'll be interesting to see how successful this pilot project will be, how many people will trust the service and take it up and whether other states will follow suit. It actually wasn't that long ago, back in 1986, when the very first illegal needle and syringe exchange program was opened in Sydney, and that eventually resulted in the nationwide rollout of legal exchanges. And on tomorrow's show, we're diving into a topic that not much is known about, can you believe? Uh, Long COVID, what we know about it right now and how to know whether you've got it. Listener.